Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Oh, it's another edition of Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. I'm Nikki Dakota, your host. It is such a pleasure to be joined in the studio uh, by the largest frame brain in the planet. He is the Nitrate Film Archivist for the Library of Congress. He is our film guy. He's George Willeman. George, welcome. Hello. Also uh, in the studio, live and in person today, it is the storyboard artist for the Coen Brothers, every movie since Raised in Arizona, and many, many, many more that we know and love. He is artist. He is film guy. He's J. Todd Anderson. J. Todd. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. We've come together today because we celebrate perfect movies. That's what we do. However, on this day, it's a little twist. Oh, <laughs> guilty pleasures. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Those movies that we love shamefully, but that just don't meet up to our standards. Yeah, every once in a while people will say, do you ever like watch movies that aren't perfect? And I said, well, the vast yeah. majority of the time. But, uh, Even the ones you work on. That's right. Oh, boy. <laughs> I've never heard anybody on a set say, this is going to be a perfect movie. I, man, I'd run like, ter- like crazy if that ever Right. Because you really never know until it's all done. Isn't that true? It's true. Yeah. And you never want to say anything like that. Is this is like going to be a great it? film. Don't say that. Don't say <laughs> Don't. that. Jinx. Whatever you do. Right. But even still, uh, it's not there's some there's some value in movies that still draw us. They might not fully meet up to the beautiful symmetry and geometry that perfect movies do, but... Something about them that keeps us. There's all coming sorts of back. aspects of, of movies, and and we're going to talk about a few of those today because you know that list ain't long enough for the guilty pleasure. Thing. <laughs> it's just ain't long enough. Yeah, it's a huge list that one. So let's before we continue with these guilty dalliances of ours, let's um, remind people of the rules that none of these fit. Now you can say. Um, <laughs> The movie we're doing today does not create a world in existence. And it doesn't wholly sustain that world it doesn't create. Regardless of changing society, it's probably still going to be an average B movie and would never retain its entertainment value. And would you And we will place, place it in a preferential list or numerical order. They're all number 13. Uh, and we will level our pool table with it occasionally and stick it under there. These are guilty pleasures, yes. So, so what have we brought? What, uh, what? Couple guilty? coasters. Yeah, <laughs> couple coasters. <laughs> They're lovely to watch. <laughs> well, I think I'll let my learned colleague. No, I'll let John go first. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to do a movie uh, that really cut a big groove in my childhood because my parents still hate me to this day for making them go to see it. Apparently, they really reacted badly. Yeah, well, they did, you know, and it was at the drive-in in Park Lane, and we saw this movie, and I pleaded for them to take me, you know, so they took oh, please, the whole family. it's going to be great. Because that was the only place I was playing, and, uh, and of course, the next day, they really gave me a hard time. <laughs> I was like nine or ten. You made us pay $6 for that piece of schlock. Oh, I just heard about it, and then the relatives would be around. That movie was so bad, and he made us go. He told us it was going to be a great movie. the Jay Todd? Yeah, us. and our son <laughs> talked us into going to see that movie. My dad complained too, but he was sleeping. We were it, talking you know. about it. And I wondered. You if interrupted you, my nap for that movie. If That's you right. if you mentioned him, uh, if you mentioned it today, I wonder if they would remember. 
I think <laughs> they would remember. Why don't you go ahead and we won't even tell them what it is, but play this magnificent B-roll attraction here. Micah? How's that German car running? Fast. Ferrari? Fast. It's getting wetter. Slipping and sliding. Michael, uh, press is making a big thing about us. Yeah. But it's money. That's American. Michael? Be careful. Uh, that is none other than the movie Le Mans with Steve McQueen in 1971. <laughs> Who's not even pictured on the cover. He made the movie. He's a producer because uh. he was like a real race car driver. Um, but what they, what you have here is two race car drivers talking to each other. <laughs> Michael? Yes. Be careful out there. Um, yeah, don't drive over 200 miles an hour. Yes, German car. Yeah, it's, it's very far. That's the way a whole movie runs. It's not very much. But you get to see those glorious, glorious Porsche 917s and this Ferrari 512s and, you know, the Matras and everything from that era. And it's all in there. And that's the only reason you go to see the movie is if you're a car head and you like to see these things. But, you know, it's always good to have Steve McQueen backing it all up because that little model of the car that he's driving a 917 is still Fetches a very hefty price because Steve McQueen was in this movie. And right. My parents still will not let me live it down that it was a rotten, stinky movie and we wasted their Friday evening and their $6 <laughs> in 1971. So know. it really is, though, a guilty pleasure. You do find yourself returning to this film? I do. I just don't, you know, it's kind of fun just watching Steve McQueen just barely talk through the <laughs> whole movie, you know, because he never really had to talk much anyway unless he's beating up Ally McGraw, which George and I do a pretty fair impersonation of that. I've heard it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is also, I mean, this is a good example of what happens when someone gets to do a a vanity project. You know, I'm sure McQueen thought Uh, this is going to be a big deal because he loved racing. And the only problem is he thought everyone else would love it like he does. Yeah. So I'm even, sure he was, that he wouldn't even have to speak. Right. He was that. too he was too close <laughs> to the subject, I think. Yeah. He also did a really good documentary, Any Given Sunday, I think, where he's a motorcycle. Yeah, that's a good right. film. Um, but this is part of his passion because he couldn't be champion race car driver. He's an actor. And here he is. He gets to go to Le Mans and be in Le Mans and practically win Le Mans because he's doing a movie. <laughs> Isn't that how you give birth in a natural? That's Le Mans. Oh, roll, roll, roll. That's that movie you wanted us to do. <laughs> Twenty you know four yeah. hours of Lamaz. That would be exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it's and real, hardly anybody talks. It's push very, it, push. It's, it's very similar to the driver education films that they make you watch. <laughs> signal, signal thirty. <laughs> We're talking anyway. about guilty pleasures, movies that we love, and they are not even uh, in the same uh, ball field as as the perfect movies. No, but George's movie is a real, real good looking schlocko picture from the studio era, and it's really gorgeous, really good. But before as we do that, to, yeah. Nikki, what is your selection for this? Like show? I said, George. What are <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, boys, because um, funny my, aha my or re- funny kind of calamitous. <laughs> my recent, my yes, my recent guilty pleasure, and I mean full on, is I've been uh, digging out the DVDs. Or, no, I'm sorry, um, VHS tapes 
Uh, of, cut out Ben? Cut out ben no, no, there, no. And I taped these off the air. I was such a fan. <laughs> I was sitting there every time with my remote ready to record Just Shoot Me, one of the finest sitcoms ever made. And I said this as we gathered to record our shows. I said, yeah, my guilty pleasure is Just Shoot Me. And uh, what what do, what was it that got said right after that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, excuse me, what, what format is this besides VHS? It's you know, <laughs> and it's not even store bought VHS. It's right, I made them. I made them from their off first of broadcast. What couldn't it be one of those twenty two minute sitcom television shows? Exactly twenty two minutes. I will I will say this, even though I do I do like Just Shoot Me. It's so it good. Is, it's got some really great characters. So in good. It, but I'm going to be pedantic here yeah. and say no. It's a TV series, and I'll, and it's you're going to come in and say, "I'm going to say, well, okay, didn't we just highlight Brian's song? It's a, a made-for-television movie. 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 So as long as movie it's is movie. in the title anywhere, right. if it you can qualifies. find a TV series with the word movie, in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the next thing you're going to be doing is coming in here with cereal and talking while you're eating, <laughs> or your computer's going to start making noises like it does on television. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you type on your laptop, it'll sound like a typewriter. Yeah. I give it to you, though. I mean, it isn't a movie, but uh, that has been my guilty pleasure. And so uh, we'll leave it to our listeners to uh, But think to about that. If we that get out. into more of your guilty pleasures, you start stepping down from television. <laughs> what could possibly be next? You know, coffee room here at WYSO. My, What's next? My guilty pleasure is the, 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 the video I took of my children playing in the yard with, uh, my, with my cell phone. And it'll phone. be on Facebook. And <laughs> then I'll be forced to, like, verbalize Facebook on radio. And it'll be my and, guilty pleasure is collecting tubes from rolls of Charmaine. <laughs> <laughs> and cataloging wow. them. And we'll be making signs with magic marker noises. <laughs> <laughs> What's that sign say? Oh, it's a guilty pleasure, you know? I will suggest that uh, that uh, Film with the Perfect fans uh, might find something there. I know it's it's more about the film, the long form, which you can ac- accomplish in the longer. It's so called like a, long a, form movie. Piece, a movie. That's what it's called. I know, but I'm just saying, <laughs> if you could go check out some... Episodes of um, Just Shoot Me. I think you'll be delighted. Well, maybe one of these days I'll have finest. Maybe one of these days I'll have my legs run over and I won't be able to move or anything, (laughs) and somebody will force me to watch it. I will be in the nicer. Like I said, I did like Just Shoot Me. It was a fun show. So funny, so funny. I really appreciate the wit. But we're not going to do it on this now. So you got to stop now. Stop talking. (laughs) So we are doing guilty pleasures. George is backing up the movie man. Man, he's got a lot to talk about on this show. Right. You're listening to Filmically Perfect, where we're talking about the. It's it's almost like less than Filmically Perfect. Is this uh, this uh, unique edition? It's got it's got issues. Let's just say it's got issues. (laughs) So uh, as we find ourselves then, having moved through, um, George, you've brought a film that is uh, interesting. Say the least. Why don't you start out with the opening music from it? That kind of sets the mood for this. It is, and actually, that's what my alarm clock plays Does in the morning. Does it really? I'd like it to. <laughs> that's what I, I think hear. everybody should wake up, wake up to French horns in the morning. <laughs> that's so nice. Well, this incredibly grand music yeah. by the amazing Franz Waxman, uh, who did Sunset Boulevard and and a billion other great scores, is attached to this 1954 uh, film released through Warner Brothers called The Silver 
chalice. Now, is this of the biblical chalice fame, or is this? Yes, it is. Uh-huh. Yes, it is. Um, it it this film came out sort of in the wake of the robe and Quo Vadis and and some of the super epics of the fifties, the super sand and sandal Bible epics, whatever you want to call them. Uh, this one's really interesting though because for years this film was unavailable. You could not see it. It was gone out. It was just it was talked about in like the Golden Turkey book, and that was about the only place I ever read about it about how incredibly bad this film was. Hmm. But it is so beautiful looking. And this it's is why well, it's cinema. And of course, nobody could gorgeous. see it. Nobody could see it. The film was off the so radar. So you just had to take somebody's word for it that it right. was bad. Now, the star of this film, and it was his very first role on on big screen, is Paul Newman. Well. Very young, very handsome Paul Newman playing Basil, Basil the Defender, hmm. a young artist who is given the job of creating a chalice. For the grail from the Last Supper, which in this film is a small cup. And they're building this big chalice that the cup can go into that is going to be decorated with the faces of the apostles. So he's glad to do this. You know, I mean, he's sort of he had been like the scion of this family, but he got sold into slavery. And now he's been given this job of making this cup. Um, And the story is, is very interesting. It's based on a novel by this guy named Thomas Costwain. And I have not read the novel, so I don't know exactly how it works in here. But the thing that's so fascinating about this film is its look. The film was directed by this British director named Victor Seville, and it was last film, possibly because it didn't do very well, so I couldn't get a job again. But it was a studio picture, Big studio picture. Warner Brothers put it out. They probably shot it at Warner's studio, and and, they put the whole Warner's machine behind it. But he hired this guy named Rolf Gerard, this notable uh, stage uh, costume designer, painter, really fascinating. You can look him up on the internet and see what his work looks like. And Gerard took a completely unusual tack to the design of this film in that it is in no way realistic. It's almost done as a minimalist piece. A hmm. set might be a white wall with a window cut in it. The backgrounds are very deliberately look painted, not sloppily painted, very beautifully painted, but painted nonetheless. And it goes like this all the way through the film. And it's a great idea. It works wonderfully. It's a beautiful film. It's so unusual looking. But I don't think people were ready for anything like that in 1954. Could this be considered a postmodern architecture style film? Definitely. Definitely postmodern. Definitely 50s, right from the get-go. And do, define that. It's just like, um, postmodern. Oh gosh. It's just like very minimal, streamlined. right? Very minimal. Very Think streamlined. Think George Jetson. Right. Okay. Lots okay. of lots of tall vertical lines. Um, there's one great shot where they're on a they're on a river, and there's like 50 enormous tall thin urns all lined up. Hmm. No real reason for it, but it looks really cool. You know? yeah. Very symmetrical looking films. Everything's very balanced. Right. And the and the story. Like I said, the story such as it is, is on the one hand, you've got Basil making this chalice. On the other hand, you've got an interesting cast. You have E.G. Marshall, and you have Joseph Wiseman, who was best known as Dr. No, and you have the incredible Jack Palance playing Simon the Magician. Um, And basically, Joseph Wiseman is the head of this group of zealots who want to throw the Romans out of Jerusalem, and he hires Simon the Magician to sort of become a— a new messiah, and basically they want to run out both the Romans and they want to like uh, get the, the the religious Jews and the Christians out of the way. So they bring Simon to this group, the the Sicarii, and here's a little clip of Simon telling them 
what what his part of what his plan is going to be. People must be made to believe before they can be made to act. Then let them believe in revolution. Why be afraid of the word religion? It can be made to serve any purpose. Our purpose is recruits, men who will not shrink from spilling Roman blood. What is yours? To set yourself up as a new messiah? To lull the people into even greater weakness? Do I look like a man who would preach weakness? What then? What is this new religion of yours? Since you call it that, my religion will be an easier path for men to follow than the Jews or the Christians offer. It is not natural for a man to love his enemies. Nor is it natural for lusty men to give up the joys of earth for the sake of a dull eternity of angels singing. Men are only too willing to hate and lust and kill if they believe it is not a sin or that they will be held guiltless in the eyes of their God. I will exalt the real nature of man and call it good, not evil. And if you cannot recruit your soldiers from among these converts, then you are not a worthy captain. Lead, Simon, and we shall follow. And Joseph Wiseman talks so wonderfully. Doesn't what he is know? this yeah. squeaking noise in the background? Crickets. Oh, the crickets. Oh. Not the <laughs> audience. Not the <laughs> Maybe it was the audience. We- <laughs> <laughs> the script, the script is just laden with these incredible florid declarations all the way through. And it was written by, and I don't know anything so about him. It's a little bit him. preachy. It's very preachy. It's written by a gentleman who was also one of the associate producers named Lesser Samuels. Now, some people have, some wags have said maybe if they could have hired his brother, Greater Samuels, it would have been a better script. <laughs> oh, I actually like the script. It is very, it is very, very preachy. It's very much like a film stage play. But mm. I don't know. I'm sorry. There's something about this film that I really, really like. And the only real weak spot in it, to me anyways, is Paul Newman. Oh. Uh, he although sounds like Marlon Brando yeah, on the he's waterfront. Very, he's, you know, he's very young. He's very handsome. But he's trying. He's not Paul Newman yet. Remember the year on this? 1954. Okay. He'd done some television. But this is his first big movie role. And he's playing it like Brando. He's like vest pocket Brando. He's kind huh. of brooding. And he <laughs> kind of goes around with his mouth hanging slightly open. <laughs> but, and and he's, just, he's just not particularly good. Everyone, And the problem is he's, got, he's up against people like Jack Palance, who can chew senior with the best of them. E.G. Marshall. Um, whom else? Albert Decker, who's always really great. And all these other people who are just, you know, and Joseph Wiseman, who has that wonderful voice. Very um, nice, yeah. And he just can't act. He's just, you know, he's like, like you say, he's swatting the uh, the birds away from his head all the time. And he's wearing a miniskirt in this thing, man. <laughs> yeah. like well, a, and that's another I've part of I've always sort of, of been sorry that well, we lost that fashion, but anyway. And that's, that's another part of this film. It's talking about the costume design is, again, the yeah. sets have no connection to historical Rome or Jerusalem. <laughs> costumes do. Neither, do. neither do the costumes. The costumes are very Some sort of... Those, Roman costumes look pretty close. Some they do, but if you look at them closer, it's like some of the designs in them are like things you see in 50s comic books. They're like electronic uh, identifications and all sorts of other weird, twisty, swirly things, which I just love that. It's like, what a great idea to do this thing that's totally out there, totally different. I don't know how Victor Seville got away with it. It kind of smacks of Jesus Christ Superstar, the movie, the way what they tried to do, similar. Only with not as much set building as this one here, not as tight and clean as this picture that's for sure so Which, this this film when it came out i mean like i said big big deal you know big expensive epic came out and it just bombed i mean it died at the box office and the reaction to it was so bad that the the legend is that within a year 
Paul Newman took out a full-page ad in the Variety, the, the, the showbiz newspaper, to apologize wow. for his appearance in The Silver Chalice. Now, I don't know if it was after that point that the film kind of disappears because the only time it has, the only way it has reappeared, and it is out on DVD now, that's probably going to start getting really hard to find, is right after he died. Oh. Warner Brothers regurgitated their entire Paul Newman backlog, including this one. Hmm. But there's going to be like a rush to like Kmart or um, uh, a major department store because the film guy. Our man from the Library of Congress has, like, said, go see this movie. I'll tell you what. If last, you can, time, last time that happened, man, there was people got run over in the park. I'll tell you, you if know? you can find this in any video store, I'd be, I'd be so impressed. Yeah. Because I, I had to order it because, no, nobody had it. I found it off of Netflix. It is available on Netflix, too. Oh, well. Uh, or at least it was. Yeah. I, I think I you're going to be hearing Netflix. about a trampling at Walmart <laughs> because he said this on the radio. and Now... The, Let oh, me remind us that we're ahead. talking about uh, your, you, George Williman, are talking about 1954's Silver Chalice. Uh, as uh, we normally speak of perfect movies, but this is a unique edition, and right. it, it falls just I, shy. I can't consider it a pe- perfect movie, a lot of it, because um, a lot of people aren't going to like it. I'll be very honest. People, Some people are going to watch this, and they're going to come to me and go, what are, what are you, what's what? wrong with you? Somebody they're going to be like you your parents. Your I spent exactly. $6. <laughs> And our son. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think give it a chance. Uh, maybe have some friends over, get some beer, you know, and oh, sit, sit and watch see. it. If nothing else, for the camp value of it. Uh-huh. But but well, what it all comes down to, here's the really interesting thing, and it didn't really hit me until I watched it recently for this show, is that there's more to it than just being this sort of pseudo-biblical epic. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's religious fiction. There's real characters. One of the characters that comes into it in the second half of the story is the Apostle Peter. Who is played by Lorne Green? Okay. Oh, how cool! And so, he said, and he says, "The barn is burning." Jim, <laughs> <laughs> <Damn, laughs> no, Hoss, uh, little Joe, <laughs> the barn is burning. To get that. Oh, so, really? Burning barn. And actually, I, this little, this last little piece comes from the end of the movie, but I'm not going to give away the ending. Okay. But but when you listen to to Peter's speech here at the end, it you can see that this film had more of a message to give out than just one of redemption. If only I'd been able to restore the cup to you. It will be restored. But for years, and for hundreds of years, it will lie in darkness where I know not. When it is brought out into the light again, there will be great cities and mighty bridges and towers higher than the Tower of Babel. It will be a world of evil and long, bitter wars. In such a world as that, the little cup will look very lonely. But it may be In that age, when man holds lightning in his hands and rides the sky as Simon the Magician strove to do, it will be needed more than it is needed now. So, yeah, I'm not sure what he's talking That's about. That's a warm, but, uh, fuzzy feeling, well, I'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah. And it was right That's after good. this point they'd run that Warner Brothers cartoon where yeah. Foghorn Leghorn is paddling the hound dog on his butt. 
Yeah. I said dog. <laughs> I can see why you like Real quick, if I've got a moment, here's <laughs> an interesting too. interesting insider tip from, yeah. from the Library of Congress. Um, <laughs> this film, when it was released, of course, Cinemascope, beautiful Cinemascope, big widescreen, uh, and it was in stereo. It was released in stereo with magnetic stereo soundtrack on it. Well, Warner Brothers destroyed a lot of their stereo soundtracks because for television they didn't need them, and they were taking up oh. a lot of room. But when they came to do this DVD... They came to us because we have one print of the Silver Chalice, an original print from 1954 that has the stereo magnetic soundtracks on it, and they borrowed that. So when you see this DVD of the Silver Chalice, the stereo mm. is almost overwhelming. It is so big and full, and that, that actually makes adds me, to it. Yeah, that makes me mourn the loss of all the stuff they didn't think they needed. Yeah. I, I always hate that. And it's lucky because it's one of the few that the stereo soundtracks do survive on. Yeah. This is Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO, and nothing we've talked about today has been Filmically Perfect, not a piece. <laughs> not even us. <laughs> uh, I wanted to, to do a television. I knew, I knew, I know that you guys um, are trying to protect Budinsky a little bit, but I, I knew it would never get past him. Bud told us when we started this show. Just shoot Listen, me. you, no yeah. TV shows. <laughs> you understand? I knew it, but I thought it was worth a try because maybe, maybe we'd you know, be able to get under the radar on that. And then, but you know, WYSO will come down on us for like you know getting <laughs> trying getting to get people to watch TV instead yeah. of listening Television, to radio. Television like, right. like perfect. <laughs> and uh, Jay Todd brought us Le Mans, Le Mans. very uh, Le Mans. just really awful. Isn't it amazing? You just I have just, to. Admit it's isn't it amazing movie. how much the title actually sounds like Lemon? <laughs> yeah. Well, they actually have your a race called the known. 24 Hours of Lemons, where you buy your car for. $500 and do 24 hours. It's like the anti, oh, anti Le Mans. They're like watching yeah. Vegas crash into each other. That'd but they haven't made, Steve McQueen never made that movie, thank goodness. You know? But you know, all race fans, you say Steve McQueen, the whole room just gets quiet. Well, sure. Because he's one of the guys. Well, it's funny because Paul Newman, also a big racing big race He's a race car driver. Person. did really well, he too. Did, man. Uh, winning, he did winning, I think. Was that his race car? Yeah, movie? he did winning. winning but you guys just like people that have been in car movies. Sure. So, right. yeah, I so. like Hot Rods to Hell, too. I think that's one of my guilty pleasures with yeah. Dana Andrews. It's really good. And, of course, if you enjoyed all this, you want to make sure you get back to our archive of Duel. So, perfect not, but definitely attractive. And there, right. there's something to that. If yeah. you're drawn to something, that's it. I mean, it like counts. I said, give Silver Chalice a chance. I think, like I said, if for nothing else, the look of it and the camp value uh, it's it's an yeah, but if you're an artist, film. Yeah. you're gonna look at this film because it's fermented through the years. Fermented, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. It is fermented. <laughs> it's been fermenting. I think our print it's might be vinegared, like... anyways. <laughs> it was on nitrate, right? Yeah. No, it's a safety film, but vinegared. Oh, safety film. Vinegared. Yeah. It's, well, think of it all. It looks these... like a Maxfield Parish painting in some ways. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very symmetrical. Well, I have Sam treat. I'm 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 gonna want to try to look that up and. Uh, and he, how can you beat a movie with Lauren Green in it? <laughs> Lauren Green as the it. Apostle Peter. <laughs> yeah. This has been another edition of Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WY. So a little fun with uh, just this side of perfect, but still uh, worth casting your eyes to. Gentlemen, we have a lot of presences on the intertubes. And George, remind us of ways that people can connect to the film Oh, guys. they can go to our website, www.perfectmovie.net. They can email us, filmguys at perfectmovie.net. They can find us on the Facebook. And That's a great way, by the way, to do that. Yeah. There's a lot of ways, but yeah. 
That's uh, iTunes. iTunes. You can go to iTunes. You can download all our shows. NPR.org or WYSO. And that guy that tied a note around a rock and threw it at us the other day, that's not a good way to <laughs> no. get it. No. Don't get a good reaction for that. You don't get that. <laughs> Gentlemen, always a pleasure. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for enlightening, enlightening me. I always right. come away. Knowing something I didn't know. And we would love to hear about our listeners' guilty pleasures as yes. long as they don't involve farm animals. That's right. <laughs> or your perfect movie suggestions. <laughs> Do write to the film guys. They'd love to hear from you. Film guys at perfectmovie.net. J. Todd Anderson, thank you for being here. Yes, sheep are farm animals. <laughs> sheep are people too. George, Little always a pleasure. Chalice, thank you. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please.